Welcome to the Dietitian Collaborative Podcast. I'm Celestina, a chef, dietitian, and total foodie. Each week, I chat with another awesome RD so we can learn a bit more about how diverse our profession really is and how much we can benefit from collaborating with fellow RDs. I'm so excited for today's episode. But before we talk to Laura Jean from Dietitian Values, I want to chat with you guys a little bit about a topic that has been on my mind and has really come to light over the last couple of weeks as I've had more and more conversations with RDs in my space, like RDs in my world, and even some new RDs that I've recently met. I find that there's a common theme that seems to be ebbing or rather flowing through the space at this point. And I think we all see that there are business coaches out there for people who are just starting in business, right? Like the one, two, three steps to get started or the the blueprint to get started. And I think that's really necessary, right? To have some guidance when you're first starting out, because especially if you've never owned a business before, it can be a lot, not just the logistical side of things, but like, how do I even choose a niche? How do I even like get started with clients? So I think that there is definitely some importance in that. And then on the other side of the spectrum, we typically see RD coaches who are working with clients who want to like scale up to that six figure business or consistently get those 10K months. And I think, again, there's a time and place for that too. But for most of us, we're in the messy middle. We're at a point where we just want consistency. We want to be able to bring in revenue on a consistent basis have some procedures in place, have some processes in place that we know we can trust, that we know work, and that can bring in something to just stabilize the business a little bit. We're not really after, or we may not yet be after those 10K months, that six-figure or seven-figure year, and that's okay. If you want that in the future, awesome. But being in that messy middle spot can feel really frustrating, I think, as a dietitian, as a solopreneur. And we don't talk about this enough. Social media puts the literal and metaphorical filter on almost everything in our lives, including our businesses. We show up on social media to best represent our businesses. And I get that, right? Like you want to put your best foot forward. You want to show the days when you're smiling, when you're happy, And sometimes I do see people out there, including myself, sharing the struggle a little bit. But I also don't think that it's discussed enough that there are more than a handful of people who are struggling, right? Like we all show up on social, again, just putting our best foot forwards. But like no one needs to, right? Probably no one needs to know how many clients we have in our roster, how many people we help on a regular basis, how successful that last launch is. But I think because we're not talking about it, it looks as though our world as solopreneur dietitians is the best place in our field to be right now. And it's so interesting because in the last two years, so many people have left their clinical positions, their positions at long-term care facilities to become solopreneurs because this world is glamorized by the people making 10k months or the people advertising 10k months 
seven-figure years. And yeah, that can happen. But that's not, literally, it cannot happen for everyone. And that's not to say, like, give up, right? Like, if pursuing this job, like, your solopreneurship is your passion, fucking go for it. Lean into it. But I think it's also worthwhile to say that, like, it's not all puppies, rainbows, and kittens being a solopreneur. And it's messy. Like, it's really fucking messy. It's really fucking hard. And we're not talking about that enough. I think we say, yes, solopreneurship is hard. But do we really have a place where we can come together with others who are in that murky middle, who are in that messy spot to not just have a pity fest, but to be able to speak about what the challenges are, be reassured that it's not just you going through it. It's probably 70% of RD solopreneurs out there who have struggled at some point in their career, who have been in that messy middle, the inconsistency in getting clients, who can give you that insight as to what they did or just allow you the space to kvetch and talk about the challenges that you're facing. We don't give each other enough space for that. And that's really what I'm trying to create, not just with the Dietitian Collaborative as a podcast, but in all that I do, connecting RDs who I feel need to know each other for some reason or another, creating a space in the free lunch conversations that I hold for RDs to be able to come together and resolve some challenges that they're facing in their business. And no, this isn't the challenge to like get to 10K months. If you're money focused, awesome. That's all you. You can go somewhere else. I'm not your person. But if you want to get down to the nitty gritty and figure out that next challenge for your business and you want to figure out why the fuck it's happening and talk through it and have people who will listen and not just give you advice, but like listen and give you a potential resolve that you can run through your own value system, that you can run through your own inner authority and determine whether or not it's for you or not. That's the space that I think we need as RDs because so many of us are in the murky middle. We're not just starting. We're not at those 10K million dollar years. What about the people in the middle? That's my goal. That's who I'm here to help. And that's the conversation I think we should be having. I'm going to roll into the episode with Laura Jean, but I think this really needs to be fleshed out even more. I'm probably going to dedicate my next full episode to this, or I may even do a bonus episode in between because I'm really passionate about having this conversation and because it's come up so much in my conversations with fellow RDs over the last couple of weeks, I think it needs to be had. We don't have to put on this persona that everything is hunky-dory all the time and that also doesn't mean that we need to show up on social media pretending that everything is amazing all the time nor do we have to do the opposite and complain and kvetch about all the things but we need a community where we can do that where we can feel free to communicate and gain that insight back so that we can make these changes and feel really good about where we're at so we can grow our businesses so we can feel really secure in what we're doing. Wow, that was way longer, way longer than I wanted it to be. But yeah, I'm definitely going to do a full episode on this. So I think it ties in really well, though, because having a value system prior to 
or even like midway through, or if you've been in business a hell of a long time, having values to go back to, I think is so important. And Laura Jean, I think is the queen of being able to explain values in a way that is more simple to implement. I don't want to say it's easy, but like she's able to relay it in a way that makes sense and that is actionable. So I'm really excited for you guys to hear this conversation with Laura Jean. Laura Jean is an Australian dietitian who practices with a non-diet, trauma-informed, social justice, human-centered approach front of mind. She's on a mission to support dietitians and others helping health professionals to build value to build values-based businesses to build values-based businesses where they and the humans they work with can flourish. Without further ado, from Laura Jean. Hey, hey, Laura. What's up? Welcome to the Dietitian Collaborative. Thank you so much for having me. It is great to be here. It really is. I'm super stoked that you're here and that we've been able to connect from literally across the world. It's been amazing. I know. Like when else would we have been dietitians knowing each other in yet yeah, such different parts of the world? Um, it's, it's pretty cool. 2022 is pretty great. Let's be real. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. I mean, it's my favorite thing hands down about social media is, is the actual connection to other dietitians and other just humans doing different things and just, yeah, um, we might get into it later, but you know, I feel like there's a lot, whole lot of dietitians out there that are, feel like outliers in the profession, you know, just a little bit different. What are the chances, like, you know, without the internet, without social media, we, we just never would have connected because you'd be in a department with amazing dietitians, but, you know, not not necessarily vibing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So We'll dive cool. into that wholeheartedly after three <laughs> questions. Are you ready? I'm ready, I think. <laughs> With more gusto. <laughs> okay, yeah. No, well, I'm, I'm okay. Hit me because I'll, I'll explain as we go. Okay. <laughs> okay, one, what is your bucket list travel destination? So this is the one I was like, am I ready for this? Because like my bucket list travel destination for a long time has been Russia. Like I've really Ooh. wanted to go there, like um, St. Petersburg, you know, just the beautiful, I read, you know, read a bit of historical fiction around like that kind of like, you know, pre- pre-revolutionary kind of space you know just imagining the amazing architecture so yeah. I don't know because that's just not quite the time I mean I'm not going on any bucket list trips anytime soon so <laughs> yeah so that was on there so then I was like oh geez where is my bucket list travel destination I, you know I'd probably love to go to I think Morocco Ooh. it's not like necessarily bucket but it's somewhere I haven't been that it's definitely on the list so I'm gonna I'm yeah. gonna I'm just gonna drop brush it down for a little while till they get their shit together and Morocco's Fair. going back up to up the top. There we go. I dig that. Morocco has a solid food scene. So I feel mm. like from a culinary perspective, that would be super fun to explore. Yes. Okay, cool. I dig it. I dig it. Sorry, Russia for a little bit. <laughs> it's fair. Okay. <laughs> Second, what is your favorite meal of all time? My favorite meal is anything in little bits. Like I'm a, I'm a, give me a degustation, give me an antipasto platter, give me a mezze plate, give me anything in little bits. That's my favorite way of eating. Got it. So like Spain tapas would be like oh, your ultimate. Tapas. Yes. When I was in Spain, San Sebastian, um, went to this like just a um, jamon bar. Like they had like all of the different range of like um, hamons from like, you know, your basic like supermarket level, like right up to the like the fanciest, schmanciest, you know, 
truffle fed um, yeah. pigs kind of situation or acorn fed. So I don't think they feed them the truffles, do they? They feed them the acorns. Anyway, so just like, yeah, and like actually in um, thinking of Morocco, in um, it's not Morocco, but in um, Granada in Spain, there's this um, – there's like a bit of a fusion of like, you know, more European Spanish food and then also more Islamic Spanish food. And so oh, yeah. you go, you can go like to the, the because in Spain, obviously the, the custom is you order a drink, you get it at some tapas, right? So you order a bottle of wine, you get like five, you can choose five or six from the menu. Um, yeah. And in <laughs> Granada, like, so there's the European side of the, the city and then also then the Islamic. So like that was revolutionary, like Spanish Islamic fusion Tapas like Islamic's not a not a culinary scene, but yeah. obviously because it was um the Ottoman inspired Empire inspired by yeah Ottoman Empire influence um yeah that was that was pretty cool yeah so my mouth yeah, watered as soon as you said hamon bar <laughs> oh my gosh so good so good yes but but plant me anywhere in the world and give me little bits and pieces of their cuisine and I am one happy lady as a minimum a cheese plate you got me that's fair. Okay, good to know. I'll, I'll let me make a note of that really quick. <laughs> Although, actually, speaking being in Germany, it's not uh, one, one of my most memorable meals, though. Like, not like necessarily my favorite way to eat. I couldn't eat all the time, though. Is like Schweinhaxen, like roast oh, yeah. pickle. Oh, oh my, yeah, with kartoffeln. That means yes. potatoes, guys. <laughs> that's like potato, the potato dumpling. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. the that's what that's called. The the potato dumpling. Or oh, or spetzel. Like, have you had spetzel? Yeah, oh like handmade, gosh. hand-rolled oh pasta. My gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, well, like, they're the noodle things. I've made them at home since because I haven't been to Europe for quite some time and they're <laughs> still pretty good, but it, nothing beats, like, yeah, German or well, German-Austrian spatzel. So, yeah. okay, better, better, better stop now because I can talk about <laughs> lots of really good meals. Okay, and then last question. This might be the longest it's taken to get through three questions. <laughs> Mm. Oh, I could. Coffee. Yeah, I've got to like zip my lip. I could keep going on that food one. <laughs> coffee or cocktails? It's got to be coffee. It's got to be iced coffee for me, Celestina. No surprises I knew that. there. I knew that. <laughs> if you guys follow her on Instagram, you would also know that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not, like I don't mind a single cocktail, but I, but I'm more a wine. I'm more a beer and wine lady, to be honest. Okay, fair. Mm. You know what you like? It's mostly mm-hmm. coffee, beer, and wine, and probably mm. hydration through water. That's fair. Yes. Yes. yes <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Okay. So now that we know basically everything about you slash your world <laughs> travels, how you like to eat food, the amazing hamon bars you've experienced, tell me a little bit about your RD journey. Where did this, how did you enter the field? Yeah, well, um, maybe a little bit of a hint from my my food, you know, my food expression. Actually, I always wanted to be a chef from when I was eight years old till I was like 16, um, which is sort of like final year of school here in Australia, which I mean, clearly people probably picked it up, but I'm a dietitian in Australia. I <laughs> wanted to be a, di- a, a chef, right? And um, I loved it. I love food. I love experiencing food. And I went like in, in Australia in um, like year 10, just like I don't know what that is. I don't know. Do you have your 10? Anyway. Third, how, how, how old were you? Like third year before you finish school, basically, just before That's it gets 10. like real. Yeah. yeah. We have like this work experience. So anyway, I went, went to be a chef, loved it. But I was like starting my work experience at 3 p.m. in the afternoon and my friends who were doing work experiences, teachers were finishing their work yeah. experience at 3 p.m. And I was just like, <laughs> hold up a minute. Just one little <laughs> moment though. This is not going to work. So I don't know why a 15-year-old me had this like massive insight into that, but I was just like, yeah, that's that's not going to work. So then I was like 
didn't know what to do. Anyway, came across dietetics, like food and um, regular working out, well, you know, potentially. So yeah. more, more standard job, um, food, plus I love science, um, not so much the chemistry piece, but anyway, we got there. But, yeah, I'm more into biology than chemistry. So, and now botany. But, yeah, so we, you know, I jumped into dietetics and loved it and absolutely no regrets, like best, um, best choice for me as far as being a dietitian. And I've done, I wouldn't say it all, I've never actually worked officially in food service, but I've done a lot. Like I've worked in state health department. I've worked um, in outpatient. I've, I've never done like acute clinical. It's not my jam. Uh, I've worked in health promotion. I've worked for defence, which is military here in Australia. I've worked in private practice on and off. I've worked in prevention and, yeah, chronic disease and lots and lots of spaces. So I've done a sports, sports nutrition, corporate nutrition. I've done lots. I've Damn. been a dietitian for nearly 20 years, just FYI too. So so I have had the time to do lots. Like I haven't jammed it all into a couple of years. So, yeah, and so I've experimented with lots of things and then just yeah, realised early on that there was some parts about, you know, working in the system I didn't really like. And so I've um, – and I loved, loved doing my own thing, loved like just keeping it real in the dietetics world. And so private practice or, you know, entrepreneurship was always kind of where – it's where I knew I always wanted to be. I don't know where I get these insights sometimes, but like even at uni, which sort of call it down here, we could do like electives and the electives I chose were marketing. So that huh. was the stuff that I did like way back when I was like a little bitty, like 19 year old. And that's what I did. That's very insightful. Like, I feel like I would have loved that to have been an option, but I don't even think I had the insight at like 18, 19, 20 when I was still in school to think about mm. that. So Good for young you to like have that forethought. Yeah. I always had this dream of like having like, you know, like a a private practice type setup. Well, basically like a business where I, you know, I thought oh, well, I'll run cooking class because I love cooking and food. So I was yeah. like, yes, right. So that's what I'm going to do one day. I'm just going to set up like a, a cooking class school, like, you know, a business, but it's all about that kind of thing, which interestingly, I feel like you kind of just, just have been doing that. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So <laughs> I never got there because you know, things took windy turns, but yeah. Very cool. Okay. So you've done all the things. Do you feel like you were able to take insight from all of those positions, whether it be beneficial, like good insight, things you didn't like insight and kind of frame your own path out? I would love if you could dive into a little bit more of that. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, for me, whenever I was in positions where there was something that didn't quite fit or click, it was like, uh, I always so suppose met that with curiosity. So like, what, what, what could do different? I mean, and, and possibly also like, you know, maybe like always sometimes thinking like, how could I be better, which is not necessarily always a great, great angle to take. But in these cases, it never, never spiraled into some sort of issue. But um, yeah, like, I suppose, it, just even from the start, like always just really quizzical around what was going on so jumped into outpatient dietetics and like there'd be all these humans super motivated but but things weren't shifting I'd be like oh there's something I'm missing here so then like dove into the psychology and the counseling side so I found like when I've gotten to those points it's it's been like they've just like been little growth edges really um of of getting curious and thinking like well what now now what you know this is where I'm at this is what it is now what and now what as in like what I'm, you know, what, what step am I going to take next versus that? So like, I'm really big on acceptance. So accepting what is, but, but with actually that as a grounding point to where to go next versus 
acceptance as resignation, if that makes sense. So I've been in some jobs that have been shitty. I've been in spaces. And so it's always been like, okay, now what? I'm a bit of a like reasonably risk, in some ways risk averse. So I would always suppose line things up. So like I remember one time I was in this position where the employee culture was just toxic as. Um, it was actually the push though that which which I think many dietitians can relate, which pushed me into doing my own thing as well though. I found yeah. a part-time position and then I was like, right, so okay, it looks like I'm starting this um, entrepreneurial type stuff a little bit earlier than planned and that was like four years out of uni. You know, I always thought it would be further down the track. So yeah, yeah for me it's always been – taking those opportunities to get curious like is it is it a me thing is there something that I want to grow or learn more of like counseling skills or things like that or is it an environment situational thing and then therefore like where do I want to move next like where do I need to move myself to, to you know to to move towards my values-based definition of a meaningful life yeah and I actually when you guys are listening to this, it'll be several months down the road, but I recently posted something along those lines, like what does success look like to you? Or like, what does it feel like to you? And you and I posted something like that on the same day, very similarly like written out. And I love that we're kind of on that same wavelength in that way, right? Like this is probably, I'm not going to assume, but this is probably what led you into teaching people and helping them explore their values a little bit more, but like challenging that, right? Like success doesn't have to be 10 K months. Success maybe looks like having some flexibility in your life so that you can do the other things that you love and still be a mom or a dad or whatever that looks like to you. So I would love maybe just explore that a little bit and dive into, I guess that transition phase for you from taking all of this knowledge into okay, so what does success look like for me then? Yeah, absolutely. I think I've always been a little bit different. Um, just a nice way, I suppose, of saying a bit weird. Um, <laughs> you know, like I've always like just questioned things and looked at things from a different angle, which, you know, has been a good thing in some cases and sometimes not necessarily, um, or well, probably for other people, not necessarily. <laughs> I always ask a lot of <laughs> questions that can get uncomfortable. Um, but I suppose what, what, put me into this space was I realized that a lot of the things that I just naturally did, like, you know, I was just sharing before about how at 15, I realized, hmm, actually, that's not the lifestyle I want to live when I'm like later on in my life. So let's do something now. Yeah. Um, you know, like I've always, that's just the way, you know, that's just one of my strengths. It's the way my brain works. Right. So, um, and I've realized that that's not necessarily the way everyone's works and that's okay and so I feel like well that's a strength that's a, as you call them superpower and so like <laughs> why not actually use that um yeah the post actually I posted today which I'm guessing the ones you talked about it's like what's my gift I have for the world um what am I you know what am I going to do with it it's, it's from a Mary yeah. Oliver poem and um yeah it's that it's like what what what's my difference you know because often the things that we see that, that are our superpowers that are, are our difference um are actually stuff we don't notice because it's just what happens naturally for us. Like I'm just constantly scanning, constantly questioning, constantly reflecting, feedback, feeding that back into my analysis and my awareness of what's going on for me and, and around me. And that just naturally happens for me constantly. And it's like, oh, that doesn't happen for everyone. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> and so it's like, okay, well, how can I, how can I, you know, just plant some seeds, ask some questions and get other people curious because what I saw all around me. So I have not worked full-time since, you know, when I just said four years out of uni, I, and this, that included like, 
you know, nine months off to go travel over overseas, I, I went into private practice and I took my part-time job and went into private practice. And the job I left before that was the last time I worked full-time in wow. my whole career. Before I had kids, before anything, because actually once I did it, I was like, like, why aren't I? why isn't everyone working part-time? Like, this is really good. <laughs> anyway, so I would be like broken up to job, like, you know, broken up things and I was like, I work part-time, which, you know, in our industry isn't particularly unusual because female-dominated industry. Totally. And so people would be like, oh, you've got kids? Nah. No. Oh, you work in private practice? And sometimes I had and sometimes I went, no, nah. what do you do? And this was literally like, what do you do then on your days off? It's like, I live my life. <laughs> so uh, to me that was just like, yeah, like, like what are we – question like what do you do on your days off but just it was so strange to everyone else whereas to me it was just like why wouldn't I work part-time if I can like why would I go to work when I like anyway I mean I do sometimes do work when I don't have to because I'm passionate about certain things but yeah so I've always I suppose yeah been a little bit different and so always just question that like what does success look like for me and so like in my kind of late 20s I went on a real big deep dive into like simple living sustainable living and really got clear on my values because we live in a culture with very um, specific values that are pushed on us right so you know I found myself in a position where I was a bit of a recreational shopper you know doing all these things and I I had these kind of time where I just sort of stopped and paused and sat with that and I was like is this what I want to be doing you know that's just one example of stuff I used to do and just really got clear on what makes me content I'm more about contentment than happiness um yeah yeah because I feel like um, humans mammals we're all about homeostasis right coming back to that even kill point and that's contentment happiness is great but it's like we're always we're always going to be coming back down from that because that's just how biology works, homeostasis. So, yeah. um, I think the pursuit of happiness. We won't get into that tangent, but it's you know it's pretty, it's pointless because we're never going to you can't maintain happiness because it's outside of homeostasis. Anyway, so yeah. I'm all about contentment. <laughs> I won't hijack the conversation too far down that that route. And so yeah, so I've just always like to ask those questions. So what makes me content? What does success feel like to me? You know, just always putting that towards that, and then that. Yeah, and then I was like, I really want other people to to know what it feels like or what really to open people up to the possibilities of what it can be when we ground in our own values and who we are as humans, who you want to be as a human, the world you want to see, the business you want to build, the difference you want to make and start there, like start with that and end with that. It's an ongoing process. But, yes, versus that real pressure to – be these versions of ourselves to, you know, achieve somebody else's goals, somebody else's dreams for us, somebody else's definition of success. And so that is, yeah, that's like, that's where, I mean, that and also like my, my sort of way I'm working now came out about that. And also the other piece is like so many dietitians are out there wanting to build businesses and they practice in very specific ways, very values-driven ways, very, um, you know, by their own ethics, by our professional ethics, but also their own code of their own ethics. And maybe that includes um, social justice, maybe that includes compassion, whatever your ethics and values are. And then when you go into the business world, it feels like a giant disconnect. Like, how do you actually run a business and keep those values front of mind? And to me, again, same thing. I got curious, got questioning, and I and found that um while not necessarily easy like was able to find that so I just wanted to create a space to open people up to the possibilities of what it can be like to bridge that gap and yes you can you can just be the same human you don't have to pretend you don't have to you know 
market your business in one way and then show up in the clinic in another. You can be you. I think that that's so important. And as perhaps it's being a women dominated industry, perhaps it's feeling this need for quote unquote professionalism. Perhaps it's just what we've been fed and taught. Maybe it's all of them. Maybe it is a combination of all of them, but like thinking about myself when I started my business five years ago, I was doing everything in the way that I thought I should be doing it, right? Like showing up professionally, not cursing. And now I don't give two shits. Like (laughs) that's me. I'm going to show up as me wholeheartedly, but it takes a lot to do the inner work, to look at your values, what success means to you and kind of reframe that one for yourself, but then you're right. Also kind of infusing that into your business and having something to run by every time you're making a decision. And it can be scary and it can be challenging to like, let yourself be shown like in the world as your true self, like how you would talk to like your best friend or like your partner or whatever, or your dog. Cause she knows everything <laughs> about me, but like showing someone else that, right? Like there's fear of what if I'm not accepted? There's fear if what if I'm not good enough? There's comparison syndrome. There's all of this shit that comes up when you're putting yourself out there. But most of the time, like when you do show up as yourself, like seated in those true values, that core that is you, the people that you're meant to be with, connect with, are the ones who then come into your life. Absolutely. Um, yeah. It's vulnerability. It's being vulnerable. It's being yourself is being vulnerable. And we, our cultural values, the cultural values, and this is for, you know, not, not every culture in the world, but the culture I imagine of most of the humans listening, is that we, that vulnerability is weakness. And it's not. And we also have to create safety for our nervous system and like, we have to get our nervous system used to that, like used to what that feels like to do those things and that actually we're not going to die because that's all our nervous system wants to do is keep us safe, keep us alive, like humans are built to survive. Um, and so we've been we've been programmed um, through messaging, through our own experiences sometimes that being ourself, you know, we might have that programming that being ourself is not safe, yeah. that being ourself gets us because the things that us – and not safe as in we're going to die. Um, although, unfortunately, for some people, that is actually reality. Yeah, that being being yourself is is a risk. It's not actually physically safe. For 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 a lot of us with privilege, that is more a felt sense of it doesn't feel safe because we risk we risk um, disconnection. We risk not feeling like we belong. We risk risk us not being you know being held in the community that we want to be in. And so, and that's a real risk because historically for humans actually belonging is linked to safety physical safety and so we really need to create that safety for our we need to create evidence for our nervous system that actually this stuff is safe and so yeah it does feel scary and I never want to discount that and I never just want to say to people act anyway you know do it anyway I really want people to know that that's really normal like we all feel that way and there's there's also risk in in not being ourselves there's, there's, you know, we, we, yeah, we lose a lot by not. So it's, it's kind of like, I think we all have to get to our own individual point where the discomfort of not being ourselves outweighs the discomfort that can potentially happen when we are. That's such an amazing way of phrasing it and thinking about it. So I guess quick personal example, I have been working with a human design coach 
And I've learned that speaking things and not just keeping it in my head is more impactful for not just those around me, but for myself, for the universe, for all of the things. And I'm doing this thing this this week, and I'm going to try and keep it going forward as well. She calls it the radical speaking experiment, which mm-hmm. I thought was extremely appropriate since I'm also in your radical program. So like, I just thought it was like such an alignment of like all of the things, but I'm talking to myself literally all the time. And it's, it's weird. It's uncomfortable. And I do it out in the street. Thank God. Most people probably don't speak English. And I'm just like talking with my headphones in like walking down the street. It makes it look like I'm talking to my dog or like talking to someone on my phone, but oh my God, like I look crazy but it feels so much better to speak it out than to keep it in. So mm. that's, I guess, one strange example of like being yourself, but just try like one small thing and see how much impact it can bring to you. Like internally, it feels like my heart is coming out of my mouth. Like I know that sounds weird, but like it just feels like me coming out and it's super freaking cool when you lean into the weird or lean into the fringe, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, and I think that's a great example because it's a real like um, meta example of like, yeah, being yourself and speaking your truth, like in speaking that. And, you know, and there's lots of like what we call co-opting of those kind of that kind of phrase, you know, speak your truth and stuff like that. Um, but it literally is just, just being yourself and I think that there's so much power in that. Yeah, so it reminds me of um, Audrey Lord quote, um, when we speak, we are afraid our words will not be heard or welcomed, but when we are silent, we are still afraid. So it is better to speak. The fear's there anyway, and it's not that we just, you know, fake it till we make it or anything like that, but we'll feel feel scared either way. And it's like just, yeah, getting to that tipping point and whatever you need, I suppose, to support you to feel ready that, yeah, being yourself is the less the less fearful piece. Yeah. Or even if we can take inspiration from, like you were saying before, like when we be ourselves, we, we go first. We give other people the um, the – what's the word I can't think of the word um but we go first right and so we give people that opportunity they don't have to go first we give people the opportunity to go second because we go first and we show and we speak and we we show up as us and it creates a space we do it for ourselves but the the byproduct is it creates a space where other people then feel like huh, maybe I can do that maybe I could say that or at least know that this is a space where they can you know you're a space you're a person you're a human where they can show up that way, even if it's not available to them in all spaces. Yeah. And I love the space that you've created within your container, Radical. Would you, would you like to speak to that a little bit? Yeah, for sure. So I kind of created the space that I always wanted and still want, (laughs) which is the space where we can like just show up as ourselves, where we can have conversations that go beyond lip speak and conversations that I really hope inspire action um, in ourselves and in our businesses. And so Radical, which is spelled R-A-D-I-C-L-E, um, a little bit different than the common usage word, but it actually is the root the root word, you know, in English, how we have all these root words. It actually is the root word of the current usage of Radical, but it's also about roots, the root system. So if anyone's ever done like, if anyone grows things or has everyone done like a science experiment, you know, like where you sprout seeds, the very first little tiny bit that pops out is the rat, it's called the radical and it is the little bit that goes on to create the whole root system for the plant so whether it's a giant oak tree or a tiny little alfalfa sprout that little 
that little radical becomes the root system and it creates the foundation. And that is what I, my dream for radical, the program is, or the container, um, it's, you know, it's a big slashy container slash program slash mentor slash, slash. <laughs> it's a slashy. Has anyone seen it's Zoolander? I'll give you, the, give you that, you know, like I'm a, I'm a model slash actor. I'm an actor slash model. Uh, it's a slashy. So uh, that's what I'm just going to call it now. I'm just going to call it a slashy. <laughs> then you have to work on your blue steel face too. <laughs> you, can't, you can't see this by this. I've got all the Zoolander quotes. So anyway, <laughs> we won't go in there. We won't go on a tangent. Stay on focus, Laura. Stay on focus. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a cool reel on the mer- you know the merman scene. Anyone who oh, is yeah. a Zoolander feel like where it's like merman, merman. Uh, yeah, I've got a I've got a reel on that 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 all dietitians will appreciate because it's about the misspelling of dietitian. I'm very excited. okay. I went there. I went on a tangent. There we go. We gone there. Uh, let's come back, Laura. Let's come back. So. I really tangented myself out of note. Yeah, so radical. Um, so it's a space where I want it to be, um, yeah, I've got the dream for it to be a space where we can connect and truly connect. I'm not calling it a community because I can't promise that, but I promise the space where we can all show up, um, where I will go first to show up as myself and hold the space for anyone else willing to do so too. Um, it's a combination of learning things like learning how to do business differently through our values and also around actually integrating that through yeah, conversation and connection. So that's radical, which I'm pretty pumped about. It's six months. So it's a time where we can actually, in a time where we're always looking for the quick thing, like the, the, it's a, it's a time to slow, it's a space to slow down, to slow down and think critically and do things differently. It's been epic so far. So how can our listeners learn more about radical and all of the deeds? Yeah, cool. Well, come on, join the conversation and reach out and connect um, with me over at Dietitian Values, but also um, through my Instagram links, what I'm in the process or what will be set up by the time this goes live is a wait list. So for anyone who's interested in that, who really wants a space, yeah, where we can go a bit deeper, where we can go beyond and where we can go just beyond like the how and the, the what, but actually into the why. Yeah, so that's what that's all about. So, yes, please, if you are interested, sign up. If you're curious, reach out um, and, yeah, let's chat, like, about Radical or about anything. Zoolander Hi. quotes, also welcome. Any American movie quotes, all welcome. <laughs> I've got a few. I've got, like, my few staples, like, that I know a lot of quotes for. Some movies, like, I could pretty much, like, you know, say it line for line through the whole whole movie. But I'm, but I'm like, you know, I've got, like, a repertoire. My repertoire ends at a certain point because, like, stuff to watching movies so that's totally fair okay <laughs> so guys if you want to connect with laura she is dietitian values on instagram she is fantastically active and posts her iced coffee probably daily which i Moist honestly ice. look forward to seeing i'm like oh yes i can enjoy my coffee with you too laura this is fantastic <laughs> <laughs> global iced coffee time or global coffee time i like it yeah actually it was so funny someone reached out to me and they're like I just want to have iced coffee time with you. I was like, well, let's do it. We zoomed an iced coffee time. It was great. I love it. <laughs> Wait, was it an appropriate time for both of you to be drinking coffee? Uh, we didn't, we didn't, it wasn't an issue for this person when they drink coffee. So they're oh. in the US, so we're different time zones. But yeah, they were okay, fine. Fair. I can't drink yeah. it after three unless I will not sleep. Yeah, I don't, it's not the caffeine for me. I can only drink one coffee day. And the reason it has to be iced coffee specifically is because of my, my, my very sensitive gastrointestinal unit oh. um, system. So, yes, so I actually, yes, I really enjoy my iced coffee, but it is also 
to ensure I can at least have my one cup a day. But I get really bad reflux if I have um, a second cup or a late cup. Um, joys of getting old. Actually, I, will, I was going to say nearly 40, but I'll be 40 by the time this airs. So 40. <laughs> When's your birthday? Uh, next week. Oh, my real God. T- like real time, like when we're airing, <laughs> when we're, yeah. co- we're recording. All right, Laura, as always, it's a pleasure chatting with you. And I really hope that people reach out and connect because you're freaking amazing. Well, likewise, my friend, it's been amazing to connect with you via the Instagram. It's the only thing, well, it's not the only thing, it was one of the big things that keeps me coming back is connecting like and meeting people like, yeah, an American dietitian in Germany, like what were the, what are the odds? I love it. And I love everything that you show up for and how you are. I love seeing how, yeah, I can really see, and I don't know if it if, if that's how it feels at your end, but I can see, you know, even just over the couple of months that we've known each other, your values just getting stronger and coming through more strongly in everything that you share. And it's, it's a real, it's great to see. And, and I love it. And I'm here for it. I'm here for all Thanks, the conversations, girl. all the Zoolander quotes, all the iced coffee time and all of the Italian retreats. And one day I'm going to be there. Yes, you will. And who knows? We might even do one in Australia. I'm just going to yes, put that out there too. It. Let's do it. Come on down. Come down under. We'll down throw a shrimp on the barbie. <laughs> no one says that. Definitely no one movies. in New York says, go get coffee down the street. Well, people probably do say that, but like, <laughs> okay, we've gone off the rails. Goodbye, guys. <laughs> I love talking to Laura. I feel like every time I either speak with her or go to one of her radical sessions or listen to a podcast, that I'm in a TED Talk and there's so much wisdom and knowledge to be garnered from conversations with her. I freaking love it so much. And I, I briefly mentioned this in the podcast itself, but I've been in Laura's Radical program for like three months now and it's a container space, exactly what I was talking about in the beginning. It's a container space where, yes, we learn about our values, but then we also have time to think and reflect on it and then come back together where we can have some of those harder conversations with each other and work through some of the challenges that we're facing in our business, getting other people's perspectives on it. And it's been absolutely amazing so far. So I will link Laura's information down in the show notes so that you can stay up to date on all of her radical launches. I'm not just saying radical as in like, yeah, sick wave dude, but like radical is the name of her program. So you can stay safe to date on all of her radical launches. And if that's a space that you want to be in, I can only encourage it because it's friggin' awesome. So let's do a quick recap. One, your values can be your root. Two, create a business that works for your lifestyle. Three, take the leap to do it, to show others it's possible. Again, this was an amazing episode. I feel like I learned so much and I highly recommend following Laura on her socials at Dietitian Values on Instagram. She is super active and you can always join her for her afternoon iced coffee because she posts that all the time, although it is getting colder now there, so it may be an afternoon tea. I'm not sure, but definitely join her for that. And guys, as always, it's been a pleasure. This is season two. I would love to know what you think, so feel free to shoot me a message on Instagram at the Dietitian Collaborative. I am always down to chat, and if something really resonates with you, let me know. I would love to know. 
If you really love this podcast, I would really appreciate it if you could share it with your dietitian bestie. And if you really, really love the podcast, if you could leave a review on your favorite platform, so either Spotify or Apple Podcasts, the reviews help a ton for visibility. So thanks guys. Until next week, when I'll be talking with Jordi Henderson, accredited practicing dietitian. Mm-hmm.